Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. We've been sharing conversations about creativity on this podcast since 2011. Today, we take you to St. Louis, Missouri, in the United States. of the Gateway Arch, an emblem of manifest destiny at the confluence of the Mississippi and Missouri Rivers. St. Louis is nicknamed Mound City because of the number of earthworks built by indigenous peoples there before the westward expansion of colonizers conspired to flatten them. Where caves beneath the city sheltered freedom seekers traversing the Underground Railroad in the mid-1800s, where from 1959 to 1972, in the span of less than 20 years, residents of the historically black neighborhoods of Mill Creek Valley and pruitt Igo Homes were displaced in the name of urban development and public safety. Where in 2014, the Black Lives Matter movement coalesced. Nearly a decade later, in the year 2023, current events reveal that in this city and this state, the sanctity of civil and human rights remains tenuous on every level. What role can a public art triennial play in such a troubled context? A microcosm of the disruptive forces at play in cities across the United States today, St. Louis offers fertile ground for creative interventions that are healing, restorative in nature. The Civic Exhibition Counter Public takes on the challenge. To prepare for the 2023 event, the Triennial's home team committed to a year of listening sessions with a range of public constituents. A report integrated into the exhibition catalog outlines local interest in holistic engagement, public memory, commemoration, and acknowledgement, the repatriation or rematriation of indigenous land, and reparative futures. In response, for three months, 30 projects animate the urban landscape along six miles of Jefferson Avenue. We'll follow this throughway from south to north as we share the healing elixirs we find at the heart of seven counterpublic projects. Listen to the ways they honor and amplify strength, beauty, and hope at the core of reemergent. Native American and Black cultural histories in St. Louis. Let's begin at the southernmost triennial site with one of the projects at Sugarloaf Mound, the only Native American earthwork that remains in the city. Curator Risa Puleo expresses her personal reverence for the mound that belongs to the Osage Nation. One of the 
earliest discussions that we had was a, sort of a declaration that nothing should happen on Sugarloaf proper. This mound was actually purchased by Osage Nation and thus through an extension reabsorbed into the nation. If you drive past Sugarloaf or just right here on the corner, you'll see this no trespassing sign that says if you were to go beyond that fence, you'd be leaving the United States and St. Louis proper would be in Osage land. So in fact, we are standing on Osage land. Puleo invited Anita Fields of the Osage and Muscogee tribes to collaborate with her son, Nicosi Fields, of the Osage, Cherokee, and Muscogee tribes on a commemorative installation in the field beneath the mound. So one of the things that Anita and her son Nikosi were thinking about was what does it mean to come back home? These are platforms that you would see throughout Osage Nation, especially during events, celebrations, weddings, but even funerals or baptism, child naming ceremonies. And they're often just places of gathering. Like you might dress your child on this, you might take a nap, you might have a snack or a smoke. This is a very vivid part of Anita's memory. And what she wanted to do was multiply these kinds of areas for gathering in relation to Sugarloaf. Each of the 40 painted platforms is embellished with ribbons that reference Osage cosmologies of the balance between sky, water, and earth. Nicosi Fields created a soundscape for the site. His composition for wind instruments invites contemplation of these natural elements. From here, on the Mississippi River bluffs, artist-architect X of the Kushata and Chamorro tribes imagines the shape of the land before and after human intervention. The bluffs atop which Jefferson Avenue is built were carved by the river from stone over millennia. The artist's light and sound installation, A River Will Flow, returns the industrialized area along the Mississippi River below Jefferson Avenue to the shape of the river's design and rescales viewers as one part of a larger ecosystem. X's project can be experienced only at night. Curator Riso Puleo explains. His project began with his thinking and his training as an architect and a belief he has about the impermanence of architecture, that everything should ultimately return and be restored to what it was before human presence. So he's thinking in this projection about how to return the river to the bluff. (laughs) 
Further north, along the Triennial Corridor, composer, musician, and artist Raven Chacon of the Diné tribe brings music for 13 paths to the State Street's neighborhood. Chacon subdivided the 12-note Western musical scale into 13 divisions, hand-tuning 13 chimes accordingly. During opening week of Counterpublic 2023, Chacon choreographed a processional involving 13 performers, each holding a chime. The performers are meant to meet en route in Cherokee Park to exchange chimes, then reassemble and claim their original chimes for the installation in Benton Park. We join the processional and speak to one of the performers as she wends her way through the neighborhood. So is your chime not behaving? I think I'm getting a more clear tone when I hold this and then I'm able to sort of meditate. I see. And think about the neighborhood and the history of the city a bit better. I get a longer tone. I hear that. Do you think you'll be able to recognize your tone when you have to That's find curious. it? That's I know I need to silence this so I can hear others. I think, I hope I'll remember the tone. On reaching the park, the 13 performers line up to suspend their chimes between two trees in an arc that mirrors the shape of the hill below. Raven Chacon and curator Risa Paleo share a few thoughts. I just want to say thank you to the 13 performers who walked and everybody who walked with them. If you didn't get a chance to hear, Raven Chacon just won the Pulitzer Prize for Music last year. St. Louis who created this incredible piece. We're standing in Benton Park. How many people live in this neighborhood? Do you know who it's named for? Thomas R. Benin was one of the masterminds behind Native Dispossession and one of the people who made St. Louis the gateway to the West, ushering in genocide across the western half of the country. It was really important for me to have placed this here as a sort of anti-monument. The inverse of the gateway arch on the other side, we can see like the chimes create that negative space of the arch. We head north to downtown west, stopping at Union Station to learn about Sky is the Only Roof a sound work that artist Stephanie Jameson created with local performers. During the triennial, 10 of the 42 cars on the St. Louis Ferris wheel offer the sonic experience she designed. Curator Dia Vij and Stephanie Jameson share the backstory. Union Station was the first railroad station in St. Louis. When it was built, it was the biggest in the country. It really laid the tracks westward. That was part of westward expansion, expanding the colonial footprint of the U.S. It's 
rooted in Mill Creek Valley, like the rest of the neighborhood, and has a really deep history of black performance and theater and dance. The point of departure for all of this work was my reflection on the history and context of migration, dispersion, and flight. Dispersion with Union Station specifically and particularly as a point of departure. One of the first things I noticed is that almost all of the performers I knew and loved who were from St. Louis left. They left to build their careers somewhere else. I was especially interested in the fact that the performers who were most active in Mill Creek Valley, which produces incredible density of venues, that the performers who were most active during the heyday of the 20s, 30s, and 40s, in the wake of the St. Louis riots, many of those performers, as soon as they were of age, they departed. Miles Davis was here and he left. Josephine Baker was here and she left. My task could not be to redeem this site or this context, but instead to reflect on this history, much of which was absent, much of which was very, very difficult for me to access. This work, which is really the heart and soul of my relationship with St. Louis, was created in collaboration with Jackie and Papa Wright. Jackie is a storyteller deeply embedded in the storytelling community here. Papa is a percussionist and puppeteer and the two of them performed together. So we created a 15-minute sound installation. The installation is built from improvisation as well as scripted material. The scripted material invokes the names of some of the specific theaters that were part of this community in Mill Creek Valley. The Lincoln Theater on Olive Street. The Laclede Theater of Laclede Avenue now part of Harris-Stowe State University. The Carver, the Comet, the Justamere, later known as the Douglas, after Frederick Douglass, the Pendleton, later known as the Venus. There's a little bit of Josephine Baker in there. There's a lot of Jackie singing and speaking. Um, and there's also a lot of improvisation that builds energy. It dissipates energy in complicated ways in length as the Ferris wheel ride. I have been a rover since I was a child. No one to love or care for me. I'm... Just breezing along with the breeze, trailing the rails, roaming the seas. It produces an almost, for me, an almost cinematic experience of going up and reflecting on everything that you can see, how much it has changed, what is here, what remains, and what we can imagine to come. And then you come down and you are embedded in the scenes and the complexity of this specific site, this specific community. Diffraction from a Latin root that means break apart in pieces. 
The next day, we ventured further north to the historically black community of St. Louis Place, where curator Allison Glenn brings together both temporal and permanent projects. Within the one-mile radius of this small neighborhood, we discover two museums, the George B. Vachon Museum of African American History houses a collection of artifacts that span 250 years of African American history in St. Louis. Less than a block away, we find the Griot Museum of Black History. The Griot opened as the Black World History Wax Museum in February 1997. In 2009, the museum took on its current name to reflect its mission, to collect, preserve, interpret, and share stories, culture, and history of Black people highlighting their regional connection to American history. As we join a gathering crowd at the Griot, a local performer reveals the power of call and response, reminding us of the social and spiritual role played by participatory performance. We're here to learn about artist-architect David Ajay's counter-public project. Allison Glenn invited him to realize his first public sculpture on the museum grounds. Inspired by Earth-based architecture of West Africa and constructed from locally sourced hybrid Earth, a Sase III will be completed during the 2023 triennial. It's an epic duration work. <laughs> we might not be around <laughs> to see how it will be in the future if it, if it does what it's supposed to do. I imagine a city that actually is symbiotically in relationship to the Earth, acknowledging it and honoring it in a very deep way, but also absolutely transforming it and being one with it to kind of create possible new futures. I guess the sculpture is talking about the reconciliation and a way to create a new material landscape. You know, we are in a world where perhaps we have to think about both the reuse of things that we consume badly and the existing precious resources that we have. The compressed earth sculpture taking shape as a set of curving walls sets the stage for an enduring social space. Ajay's global renown is already drawing the world's attention to this site, effectively amplifying public awareness and underscoring the sanctity of this Black community and the land it sits on. So what we've done is to create a hybridity of Earth to do with the recycling and the upcycling of the different Earths and their mutations that have made the environment. So the sculpture is a kind of hybrid fusion of Earths. So it's the earth of the buildings, it's the earth of the site, it's the earth of the inner earth of this place, and it's the most resourceful and the most sustainable material, and it's the most abundant material on the planet. It's a kind of incredibly live dynamic material, and basically it oxidizes and calcifies. So it starts off very fragile, 
but it gets harder and harder and stronger and stronger. So it's a kind of slow chemical reaction. So that the work, seemingly, it's just dirt rammed up, will actually eventually become almost like a sort of piece of geology on the landscape. Ajay evokes the iconic Sankofa figure that serves as the logo for the Griot Museum. A bird looking back. Don't forget the past and look at the present and think about the future in a new way. That's what this whole thing is about, right? It's a Sankofa, right? So that's the DNA of what the Griot is. It's an act of resistance against erasure and oversimplification. The work is reminding you about ritual and asking you to look at your environment and to start thinking about your environment in a way that maybe says, can we do more? Is this enough? From the Griot, we walk to nearby St. Louis Place Park, where CounterPublic's artistic director, James McAnally, invited artist Torquase Dyson to create the immersive sound installation titled Bird and Lava, Scott Joplin. In this and related work, Dyson explores the continuity between ecology, infrastructure, and architecture deeply rooted in the spatial strategies of Black and Indigenous peoples. The legacy of Scott Joplin and ragtime music inspire Bird and Lava. Meanwhile, one block away, members of local car clubs are lining up to participate in Mendy and Keith Obadike's slow drag. Their collaborative practice at the intersection of sonic, visual, and community culture is on full display in counterpublic. Here's what curator Allison Glenn has to say about this performative project. Mindy and Keith Obadike have created a sonic installation that is also layered collaboration. So working with a series of producers in St. Louis, they took an interpolation of a song that originally was written in the early 20th century in St. Louis. And they've invited seven St. Louis-based producers to remix this particular track. Working with a local producer named Mastermind and a few different car clubs in St. Louis, There'll be a procession of these custom cars simultaneously playing this remixed interpolation of a song that will drive around the perimeter of St. Louis Place neighborhood, which is for the artists creating a slow love song for the neighborhood. We speak to Mendy Abadike in St. Louis Place Park. I just wanted to congratulate you Thank on you. this project. <laughs> getting I to feel this joyful moment. about this moment. I really do. I love even just the process. It's just been the best. I'm ready for it to run, but I'm just so joyful, really, just to even meet all the people. Our work is often about a dialogue. And so the outward part is beautiful and is important, but it's not as important as the in- inner part. Right, the yeah. community that you engage with. Yeah. 
So I'm gonna go grab the big flag and wave. And wave it. Can you yeah. tell me what the flag means? It means slow drag. It's a symbol of the project. The project is about the fact that in our music and in our culture, a slow tempo is a symbol of love, and that's what the flag is about. Fresh Art International Podcast. I'm Kathy Burt. Counterpublic 2023 aims to amplify the heart and soul of St. Louis, recalling the depth and breadth of erasure and displacement, while signaling hope for healing and positive growth in this city. The new triennial is just beginning to heighten and expand awareness and appreciation of art's power to unite and sustain this and other imperiled communities across the U.S. Visit counterpublic.org to learn more. If you like what you're hearing, please take a few minutes to rate and subscribe to our podcast. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, and listeners like you make Fresh Art International possible. When you visit our site, you'll find other episodes about art and culture from around the globe. While you're there, sign up for our news and give a donation. Or buy me a coffee to support these stories. You can listen anywhere you go for podcasts. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.